everyone. Welcome back to Moms After Bedtime. This is Megan, and I'm here with Mandy and Brooke. Hello. Hi. So today we are going to, this is actually a listener suggestion from a while ago. Um, we're going to dive into how our personal careers uh, have influenced our parenting. So we have Mandy, who is a pediatric occupational therapist, Brooke, who's a program manager for a behavioral health service, um, and me, who is a high school English teacher and always has some other second job that has nothing to do with kids. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, same here. Same here. Oh, yeah. Brooke, (laughs) how does bartending make you a... (laughs) Actually, that probably it probably influences your parenting a lot. I mean, I had to be pretty stern with some of the members. So. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> oh, but before we get into all of that, let's do some wine and cheese. Brooke, do you want to give us your wine? Yeah. So, um, TMI. I was on my period last week, uh, <laughs> and I needed, you know, feminine hygiene products. So I texted Shane <laughs> what to are you, see 55? if he could get me. yes Um, I texted Shane asking if he could get me tampons and okay so we've been together as if you've listening been listening to the podcast for 10 years now and I think I've only ever asked him to grab me something like that like once so I sent him a picture I said these are my preferred ones I prefer like the organic ones because I feel like better for my vaginal health or something. Um, and then I sent him a picture of like my backups, which I knew he was going to go for the backups because they're easier to find. Just and then to- I sent him a picture of my vagina. <clears throat> yeah. I said, this, <laughs> this is how you put it in just in case you're wondering. Um, no, no, I didn't do that. Um, no, but I, I sent him a picture. I showed him exactly what I was looking for. I said, make sure to get regulars. And then he came home and I, he was so proud of himself. Like, I don't, this is not his fault at all, but he got me the tampons with the cardboard applicator and <laughs> I hate them so much. He didn't think it was a big deal. He was like, I matched the picture exactly as you sent it to me. And I was like, actually, I can show you right here where it's different. This was like <laughs> pearl, like pretty, you know, and then I was like, Bam cardboard scratchy so, cardboard oh kind God, of like a, a a first world problem but i just i hate cardboard tampon applicators i just <laughs> i like it to go in smooth and they're not very smooth <laughs> he tried i guess <laughs> i like it to go in smooth <laughs> did he get you the right size though yes he did like sizes? yes everything months. was right he got the yeah. same brand like everything, he matched the box pretty well, but oh, like it was, it was just like, like the, little... the tiny little thing at the bottom that was different. And I was like, ah, uh. shit. I mean, I, ideally, if anyone's interested, I really <laughs> like to use the flex disc thingies. They're great. If anyone wants to try them, do it. I did that once. I did the exact same thing of like a picture of the box for Phil. I mean, this is a little while ago because I haven't asked him to do it since. And he came home with a giant box of super tampons. So I'm like, mm. well, yeah, you're I'm fired. happy he got the size right because I feel like that makes a difference. But he like just didn't understand. He's like, oh, well, you had to use cardboard, and I was like, um, do you have a vagina? You tried it, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't go shove some in cardboard the up here. Yeah. <laughs> no, Ryan did the same thing. Well, like when the like pandemic started happening, we were like, well. Maybe we should, like, buy some extra stuff, like, just in case. But, I mean, 
then a month later I didn't eat tampons anyway, but <laughs> that's beside the point. But uh, he like what wanted to like stock up, and so if you know anything about Ryan, he likes a good deal, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he so like there was this huge, big, gigantic variety box, and most of it was like super plus, and I'm like. I guess we'll make these work in an emergency. <laughs> but... It's not like, my fault. Oh, no. I got a heavy flow and a wide set vagina. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'm not judging anyone who uses supers. But... Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're too nice. We don't have to apologize for making fun of super tampons. <laughs> it's okay. Personally, it's not my size. We'll see after I have a baby if it is. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I haven't tried since after having a baby, so maybe it is my new size. <laughs> oh yeah right i haven't either uh anyway so that's my simple wine uh mandy what's yours all right mine is less simple i had a really hard time coming up with a wine this week which is a good thing obviously nothing like sticks out as being like awful but i guess something that i'm like having a hard time with is do you are you ever like finding yourself in a situation where you feel like the way you're reacting is just, like, not right, like, not what people want from you. Actually, Megan, you were just talking about this last episode, That's, like, when people yeah, are like, are you excited? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, and I hate to always keep bringing this up, too, because personally, I'm so friggin' sick of talking about it, but, like, with COVID, you know, obviously, right now, everyone's back at work. Think The numbers are going up in the state. Like, it's a scary situation, and I am... Especially where you guys are. Yeah, yeah. especially in, down where we are in Southern Maine. And I... 110% believe that COVID is real. I am like 110% about like wearing your mask and taking all the precautions. And I literally leave work every day with this huge headache because of all the chemicals. I feel like I'm rubbing myself in bleach, like in the Lysol wipes and <laughs> spraying everything like between every uh, therapy session I have. So it's like, it's a lot. My uh, like hands are like chapped. But so I believe it and I think it's real and I understand that it's scary, but I feel like I'm not like... I think everybody right now is just so, so anxious about the fact that the numbers are rising. And it's not that I'm not. I'm just like, I just feel like this entire time it's been inevitable and that it was just going to happen. So I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. Mm. But I don't I don't know how to react to it. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's just so scared. I'm just like, yeah. And so I, like, whenever people have conversations to me, I just feel like they're looking at me like I have 10 heads because I'm like, oh, yeah, another yeah. outbreak. I don't know. You know, you get, become desensitized to things. Well, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, it's, like, becoming normal in a way. So it's, like, okay, like, we're dealing with this. It's going to have to continue. I mean, like, I feel differently than you just because I really, really don't want to get sick on top of, um, like, already being so sick, having been so sick. Right. But, like... And I am and like, scared of being yeah. sick. Like, when we went through that little phase of where we thought that we were, um, when we all had colds and we got tested, like, I was terrified. But I think, yeah. like... I just like leave all those conversations feeling like kind of like icky, like, oh, I don't think I responded right to that. You know what I mean? And I, I think, think there's I, a right response. I find myself I saying a That's ton, true. like, well, it is what it is. Yeah, right? I've said <laughs> like, that so many times in the past yeah, like, few months. Or like, that, like, it sucks for all of us. Like, we're all but, unprecedented times. Yeah, the new yeah. normal, you know? They're, like what Megan said, there really is no. There is like, no right way. And I do, yeah. I get that. And I understand that. But you know, like, just that like icky feeling of like, and I have brought this up so many times before that like, I just feel like I feel other people's feelings, you know? So mm -hmm. if I like leave a car, I can tell yeah. that they're like, 
this bitch ain't taking it seriously. They're like, no, I am. I just don't want to lose sleep over it. Like, I'm just trying to live my life and, and like, like, not think about it. talk about it. And... Yeah, which year I am continuing yeah. to talk about it. But <laughs> I couldn't think well, of a lot. but I mean, so... like, it's, you can't escape it. No, you know unfortunately. I mean? Like, especially, I, I mean, it kind of, this kind of connects to their episode, I guess. But, like, especially working in a field that we kind of work in. We can't work from home forever. Like, that's right. not... Right. Like, if we worked in an office, like, maybe it would be different, but it's, you know, like, I just yeah. think that we have to just, like, Brooke said, like, it is what it is. Like, right. I don't know. I feel like, though, so I, sometimes I leave conversations feeling like you, Mandy, and then other times I feel like I'm overreacting or I'm picking up, I can't find the balance of being yeah. too worried or not like, being worried not enough. worried enough i can't yeah. find like the perfect of like yeah i'm worried to send shade to daycare or i'm worried to be working my bartending job where everybody doesn't wear masks because they're drinking like but at the same time i don't want to overreact and be like i'm not working because of this whole pandemic so it's hard to find a good balance i think it's like <laughs> uh me and megan especially are big true f- true crime fans um and i think they always talk about like you know how like you know someone's wife dies and the husband looks like people like he's not reacting right like he should be more sad and he should be more whatever but they always talk about like you don't know what it's like to have your wife brutally murdered like how are you to say like how you would react like that's a situation that most people aren't in and that Mm -hmm. is an extreme extreme example but i'm just saying like i think there is no like right way like no one knows the right way to respond Mm -hmm. yeah to things like this but i can't help but like be like Ugh, I'm not a bad person. I just don't want to throw myself off a cliff, like with anxiety <laughs> about, it, about it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. I get that. So I'm going to stop talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done with it. <laughs> but it'll probably come up like again in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it won't go away. Uh, <laughs> so my line this week, I guess, is. It has, like, a silver lining because it's not a huge wine. But uh, so there's this place in Bangor called the Bangor City Forest where Ryan and I always love to go. It's really just, like, a bunch of cool walking trails in the woods. Like, you have, like, the mall areas here, and then you just go into this cool, I don't know, like, forest. And then there's... A body of water and this nice field and a bog walk and whatever. Um, it's like I feel bad saying this, but it's like if Rachel Carson, like the Rachel Carson in Wells, if that was better. <laughs> <laughs> it stepped up its game a little bit. I love Rachel Carson in Wells, but this is better. But anyway, um, like definitely speaking of true crime, if you wanted to hide a body, that's your place. <laughs> like <laughs> You could cut that out. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Probably should for Megan's safety. Talk about it at least once or twice while we're there. Like, I wonder. <laughs> I just wonder. So if Megan, if you ever go missing, what's the name of this place? Uh, the Roland Perry City Forest. Okay, <laughs> when, write it down. When Megan goes missing and we don't think that Ryan is, is responding to the trauma well enough. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, it's just this place where it's, like, peaceful and relaxing, and we used to go there a lot all the time and just walk and talk and grab a coffee and walk and talk and blah, blah, blah. And it's just the place where we always pictured, like, oh, we're going to bring our family here. 
blah, blah, blah. So now that I'm starting to kind of feel a little bit better, um, we decided to go this weekend and bring Meadow, who, like, she is still learning how to walk on a leash and still whatever. Like, she was having the time of her life sniffing stuff because <laughs> there was so much to sniff. And she found, like, a sock and Ryan had to take it out of her mouth. And- <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like speaking on dead bodies. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, like, that was nice. But it just wasn't the, like, cute family thing I expected. Because I could not keep up. Like, I was no. consistently, like, 30 steps behind Ryan and Meadow. And then she would... The only reason why I caught up is, like, she would stop to sniff. And then I'd have to be like, come on, Meadow. And then they go further than me. And then... I could only make it, like, like a sixteenth of, like, what we usually do. Oh. And so... It's like when we used to go roller skating. <laughs> well, now you have to tell the story. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know how old we were. Probably too old to be going to a roller skating rink. But uh, I know we had our licenses. But there used to be a roller skating rink nearby, and me and a friend went with Megan once, and <laughs> we would just, like, skate around, and Megan would just be stuck to the railing on the wall, just <laughs> going, like, inch by inch. Literally, and then like, we'd... I'm having so much fun, guys! <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd come up to her and be like, oh, okay, Megan, we're just going to do one more lap around, and then we'll come hang out with you. <laughs> we'd just go, and then we'd come back and talk to her for a little bit while she moved 10 feet, and then we'd go around <laughs> And then, like, the last song, I was like, guys, I'm doing it. And it's like, and we're done for the night. (laughs) Yeah, so I've never really been that athletic. But But my hips hurt extra a lot right now. So I I can't walk. But anyway, someday. I remember... Um, I used to, I should probably get back to this, but I used to walk with a friend from work, like at least three or four nights a week after work. And we do like about, I don't know, two-ish miles. And then I got pregnant and it got to the point where I'm like, I'm sorry, I just, I can't keep up with you. And I can tell that I'm holding you back. So just go on without me. Like I just gave up on it. (laughs) It was too hard. I just, yeah, like I haven't been able to really like move from the couch like this whole time. So it was nice to do. It feels good to like do something. But I'm literally, like, waddling by the end of <laughs> Like, I'm not that pregnant that I should be waddling, but, like, my hips just hurt, so. So, Brooke, what's your cheese for the week? Um, My cheese is, so last week's episode was very cathartic for me and uh, was almost, like, a motivator for me to get back into taking care of myself. So, I... Nice don't remember what day it was but there was some day last week where I literally like called every I made myself an eye doctor appointment I made myself a physical and I also made an appointment um to go back to my therapist so I'm just really proud of myself for I already went to the eye doctor Friday I don't know if I should share this but it's a new (laughs) one and (laughs) Shane's gonna kill me (laughs) but oh my god he was very attractive <laughs> uh, my fifty-five-year-old lady bits were so excited. <laughs> That's so gross. Brooke told me she's like, "Oh my god, I went to the eye doctor and it was a new eye doctor." And oh my god, and I was like, "Wait a second, 
is it Dr. So-and-so? Because and it wasn't, I have though. a... Oh, I thought it was him. No, Shane threw... <laughs> this is how obsessed Shane was. While we were watching TV later that night, he literally looked up all the eye doctors that work at my eye doctor place and screenshotted <laughs> and sent me pictures <laughs> asking <laughs> which one it was. But no, it wasn't the same one that you said it was. Oh. <clears throat> anyway, so I already had my eye doctor appointment. I got... Uh, contacts coming in so I don't have to wear my glasses anymore and I had my physical today got my flu shot checked out all healthy and I have therapy on Wednesday and I'm actually really looking forward to it so nice yeah nice. I'm all proud of myself because I grew up and called and made appointments <laughs> <laughs> why is that so anxiety provoking I know I that's the know. worst feeling when you're like I have to call a place but it's really I, I had to do that for my job all the time, too. So you think I'd be used to it, but... I feel like the hardest part sucks. is when they say hello and you have to tell them what you're calling for because half the time they mm-hmm. respond to you like you're an idiot. Yeah, right? That's is true. that just me? If I'm like, hi, I'm calling to make an appointment. They're like, an appointment? What? You're like, <laughs> yeah. isn't that what like your main function is? Like, I don't... <laughs> or like, what's your name? Like, was I supposed to start with that? Well, see, I'm always like, hi, I'm Megan. Um... I want I'm a patient here <laughs> <laughs> I and I get here. like all jumbled up and they're like okay what's your date of birth like, I should have just led with that <laughs> anyways I'm really proud of you because you uh, I kind of like at, in the end of the episode I also agree I feel like it was very cathartic and you mentioned you're like maybe you should call your therapist back and I was like you know what Maybe I should. I haven't yet. But now that you are being extra motivating and doing it, I feel like now I really have to. Yay. If we didn't help anybody else, we helped ourselves. Yeah, that's true. I didn't do anything that had to do with mental health at all this week. But... <laughs> <laughs> What's your cheese, Mandy? Um, so my cheese is really simple. I just was proud of us. Our plan this Friday was going to be just uh probably hanging out watching some little baby bum on netflix with isla and not really doing much and then uh shane texted phil or maybe vice versa i don't know and they had plans to go to a big outdoor brewery where people bring like their kids and their dogs and actually i think brooke actually mentioned it Mm -hmm. on a previous episode and they're like yeah we're leaving soon and we just like packed up our stuff and went like we were like kind of spontaneous it never happens anymore. We can't just say like, okay, we're going somewhere and then go anymore. So I was proud of us for getting our butts out and it was really nice and it was kind of cold actually. I feel like it's It was nice fall. though. Like I liked it. Yeah. It was like it was. sweatshirt weather. Yes. And we get to drink a couple beers and the babies had a really good time. At least Isla did. So it was nice little spontaneous like They kicked back a few. Yeah. <laughs> Isla had a couple IPAs. Shay certainly tried, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was fun. I think we had like some grumpy kids at the end of the night because it was past their bedtime, but it was worth it. Yeah. All right, Megan, what was your cheese? My cheese is that, uh, so right now, well, I guess if you go back a little bit, uh, we're getting into the like Jewish holiday season. Um, That's not always something that I'm super... I'm not always, like, I don't, like, meet someone and be like, hi, I'm Megan, and we celebrate Jewish stuff, because, <laughs> um, I don't know. 
because people are not nice. So, <laughs> um, but my husband is uh, Jewish, so we celebrate all those holidays with his family. So it was just kind of nice to, um, I, I just think about like the traditions we're going to create, like with our own family. Like, obviously we've thought about it before, but um, it just like going to, it was a smaller gathering this year, obviously, but uh, it was Rosh Hashanah. And so it's like a, a nice fall. It's like a Jewish new year, but it's all about like the fall, which fall. I can get on board with. Cause yeah. it's like, they just like celebrate the fall. Is there a lot of pumpkin spice? What? Is there a lot of pumpkin spice and flannels and no, no, that um... would have been nice. <laughs> our our Rosh Hashanah will have pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> is it kind of like the harvest? Like, uh, you know, this time of year is like, yeah, it's like Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, and then you have Yom Kippur, which is the most depressing holiday ever. Which is like, <laughs> oh, you have to like fast and. Basically, think about all the bad things you did all year. Oh. It's like the Day of Atonement is basically what it is. It's like you making, like, spiritual, uh, like, New Year's resolutions, if that makes sense, I guess. Mm -hmm. Some people, like, there's a varying whatever of how you celebrate it. Right. Um, Like, some people are super hardcore and then some people whatever. But then, like, a week after... It's called Sukkot, and you get to make this cool outdoor, like, dining room where you decorate it all fall-like, and then that's, that's all about so the harvest. Cool. Yeah. So, it's just fun. Like, it's been fun to learn all the traditions, but now we get to decide how we want to do that with um, Baby Garby. So, yeah. Holidays are the best part when you have kids. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have only obviously been, like, celebrated ho- holidays with a baby, so she has no idea right. what the hell's going on, but... Um, so fun. I know, but even Chris, she was three months old, and Christmas was so much fun last year, and she had mm-hmm. no yeah. freaking clue what was going on. So I'm just what so excited. <laughs> Seriously. But I'm just so excited for the years to come. Yeah, it does yeah. make a big difference having kids. That was one thing I was always looking forward to, having kids, like, being able to celebrate all the holidays and making family traditions. It's just mm-hmm. ah, yeah, so nice. like, we don't really, like – Contrary to, like, popular belief, Hanukkah is not really that big of a deal, um, I I guess. But so we're just talking about how, like, it will be when we have a kid because, like, mm-hmm. she's going to want seven presents or whatever. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Greedy. I mean, we'll teach her the meaning of Hanukkah. But, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It was just cool to think about. And so on the ride home, we, you know, it was fun. And I just always, like... I kind of hit the jackpot with in-laws and I just got to sit with my father-in-law and he's just like the sweetest, nicest person. So, Aww. you know, it was fun. So let's get into um, discussing how our career paths or the careers we have uh, have an influence on our parenting. So Manny, do you want to tell us a little bit uh, about being a pediatric occupational therapist? Sure, I won't bore you too much with it, <laughs> but it definitely has influenced, I think, me as a parent, even though, like I've said, I'm only a year into this, but I definitely can see how it's going to affect me as a parent as Isla and hopefully future babies get older. But so for my job, I'm um, a school-based therapist, so I work in elementary school. 
Um, it's K through two this year with the COVID restrictions, but, um, what I, is it usually, I thought you worked with, it's K through like, three usually. Um, oh, okay. I used to work K through Why five. Did I? Oh, that's what I was thinking. I'm sorry. That's Nobody okay. else needs to know that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this year it's K through two. Um, and I have obviously a smaller caseload because of all the COVID stuff. Some, some kiddos are, um, staying home, but anyways, I digress. So I am, I work with um, special ed students who need occupational therapy to be able to kind of meet their goals and their needs as a student in the school. So I work a lot with kids with autism. That's a kind of a big part of my caseload, but I have a bunch of other diagnoses as well. Um, and I work really closely with like special ed teachers and physical therapists and speech therapists and all that fun stuff. It's a really fun job. I basically get to play all day. So it's fun. But um, because of my job, I definitely am just more aware of a lot more when it comes to like development and like different paces of development. Like I said, I work K through um, two right now. So it's I mean, I, I don't remember everything from school uh, when it comes to babies. So it's not like that's completely fresh in my mind. But I do know like some general milestones and it is hard. I know it will definitely get harder as I like gets older um, and I get more into the realm of things that I am really comfortable with. But it is hard to kind of analyze the way she does things and kind of think like, is she on par? Um, I know that they're supposed to be doing this by now or I know that this should be com coming before that and yada, yada, yada. Um, so I definitely see how my job can kind of make me overanalyze those developmental pieces. But at the same time, I feel like with my job, I do also know like there is such a wide range of like what is like quote unquote average. What's the norm? Most kids usually catch up um, like once they once they take off, they usually take off really fast and catch up to other kids. So like, I, I have all these different perspectives in mind, like, okay, I'm worried, but do I really have to be worried? Um, and a lot of times I get parents all the time who get really nervous about certain things and they're so convinced that it's like a terrible, like, like just this always pops in my head. Um, I work a lot on handwriting and um, parents are always concerned if their kids are reversing their letters and they automatically think that something's really wrong or it's a big issue. Um, but I don't worry about that until like halfway through second grade. So if you have a kindergarten or first grade and you come into me like, what is wrong? She keeps reversing all of her B's and D's. It's yeah, that's technically an incorrect thing to do, but developmentally it's appropriate. So right. no need to stress Pretty about sure it. I did that. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I needed some, some <laughs> she, services. She was but... in like eighth grade, like still reversing. I'm like, oh, I can't get these B's and D's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm being really boring right now. But I just feel like it makes me realize things that I think a lot of people freak out about. Once you actually like look at where kids are supposed to be and when they normally catch up and yada, 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 they're really not that far behind at all. And sometimes they're not behind, period. And it's just kind of in your head. So I def it's even though it's it I'm more aware and just have like the information of where Isla should be milestone wise, I also have like the awareness that it's not the end of the world if she isn't reaching certain things that I feel like she should or if she's not on par with like we mentioned mom groups quite a bit. In my due date group, all these babies are like posting pictures because everyone just had their first birthdays 
and all these babies are like standing up and like running and Isla's not walking in and Isla can hold herself up standing without support for three seconds before she like crashes on her face and in my head I'm like what the hell like all these kids are standing and running and like what's wrong with Isla but I'm like okay that's not actually like even appropriate like that's kind of an early walker to be walking before one most babies start walking like 13 months so no need to freak myself out but it's hard not to like have those thoughts so yeah I can speak to that because I feel like I we work with a similar population like I also work with kids however the age range is three to 21 so quite a range but um I have an awareness of developmentally where kids should be at and I do the same thing like constantly and not only that but I'm like constantly looking for any signs of like a developmental delay or a speech delay or autism or mm -hmm. anything like that because that's the population I work with and <clears throat> it's not because I'm worried I mean I obviously I'm a little bit worried but I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for Shay if she does for some reason have a diagnosis of some sort or um, a learning disability or anything like that because I know how important early intervention is and I think that's part I spoke on this last week like I think that's part of the reason why um, we got started with CDS and all of that so I totally get what you're saying and then it is such a wide range like every milestone you ever look at there's like a six month range of like what's considered to be like normal <laughs> right and like it's hard some not babies like walk at like 10 months or nine months even. Yeah. I also just like my job is literally to teach children to be independent. Um, I mean, OTs in general, that's their job to teach you to be independent with different life skills. So I think that's a really great part about my job is that I kind of see the potential of kids. I think some people, if you aren't really familiar with kids in general, you just think that everything needs to be done for them. Like they're helpless little beings, which isn't the case. So I'm, I'm excited for Isla to get older and I'm excited to really like foster her independence and understand that mm -hmm. she can get herself dressed and she can feed herself. And like I, when we did um, like started eating solid foods, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna let her feed herself from the beginning. So I never spoon fed her. Um, and I don't think one thing is better than the other, but it was just fun to like watch her be independent with even that. So that's definitely a big takeaway from my job that I appreciate when it comes to parenting. And I think it'll be helpful pretty much on every stage. I feel like that whole idea of I can really connect with the idea of seeing a kid's potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, like working in a high school, I feel like kids come to you with like a stamp already on their forehead, like trouble mm -hmm. or whatever. So I think that giving them that space to to grow and whatnot is important. And I think that sometimes people who don't – I don't want to go into, like, people who don't work with kids who do, but maybe it's just, like, a good reminder sometimes that there is that potential there. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, like, we – so say we have a new student come in or maybe a new student's coming to kindergarten. Like, we get um, – it's a document called an IEP. It's Individualized Education Plan. And it, you know, has their goals. It has their present levels, yada, 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 all around special ed. And that's all we see first. So you read that first and you get this like picture of the child. And sometimes the child comes in and you're like, 
wait, this is not what I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think that relates to that piece of like understanding their potential, re- realizing that they're not just a diagnosis written on paper. Um, but same for any kid. It doesn't have to be a kid in special ed either. Like there's just so much more and there's so much potential and you just kind of have to foster that independence or – and that kind of segues into my next point is uh, my job – and I am not a professional. I turn to my colleagues for this a lot. It's definitely not my specialty, but I've learned so much – in my job about understanding behavior and understanding like what behavior is and why kids are having behaviors. You know, when you went, when I went into this job, first of all, in OT school, they don't teach you anything about behavior. I mean, at least not since I graduated, God, what was seven years ago? Oh God, I don't remember, (laughs) but six, seven years ago, but you don't teach anything. They don't teach you anything about behavior. So I literally left school thinking, all these kids are going to be so happy to do handwriting with me today. Like, no, they fucking slapped me in the face and told uh-huh. me to fuck off. And and I'm not kidding. One child told me I was a stupid fucker once. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite story. <laughs> but anyways, um, this was a first grader, by the way. But I didn't, I had no idea how to handle behavior. And I immediately, I think as most people do, think like, God, this kid's like being a jerk. Like, why is this kid like so like misbehave? Like, oh, doesn't he like doesn't their parents like whatever? Having this job and being surrounded by the professionals that I work in and the programs that I work in, I have just learned so much about behavior. And that behavior is really just a form of communication. And there's so many different ways to help. I don't want to say like shape behavior, but you know what I mean. Like you you replace it with a functional. So if kids like kicking and screaming, you replace that with a functional behavior, with something that is going to get them what they need, but in a more functional way. And I think that that is going to, I mean, again, Isla's only one years old, but I think that's really going to shape my parenting. Don't get me wrong. Like, I realize there are going to be, like, I'm not going to be like all like, okay, Isla, first this, that like, I'm not going to be super like OT professional, whatever with her. There are going to be times where I'm going to be like, probably lose my cool and probably I mean I hope I don't do this but give her something so she's quiet in the grocery store and she's having a temper tantrum like I know that I'm going to have my moments and I'm still going to be a parent and I'm not going to be her therapist but I just I think it's made me understand what behavior is and I hope that it's going to help me as we get into like the crazy toddler stage and as we get into the um like school age um stage I just think I like to think it's going to help me out a lot in that area and I'm sure Brooke can relate to that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like Brooke can probably speak to, like, you're talking about behaviors in your K through 2 kids, but I'm thinking in my head what those evolve into 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. So Brooke mm-hmm. probably knows, like, the whole progression. Yeah, I was going to say I can speak to that a lot um, because Shay is now a toddler and we are getting into that stage of where – she can communicate but you know like Mandy said behaviors are almost always like they're trying to communicate to you something that they need in that moment and a lot of kids don't have those tools and so for me when it comes to like working with Shay like I can I realize the importance of validating her emotions and also like teaching her the skills that she needs on top of also like meeting her where she's at developmentally Um, but I'll get more into that stuff when we talk about how my job has affected my parenting. Um, if you want to finish Mandy. Yeah. I just have one little last bullet point that I wanted to put out there. Um, 
because who knows, there might be some parents who have similar, have kiddos with similar birthdays as Isla. So Isla, like I said, I think last episode, just celebrated her first birthday in September. So she's mid-September. And here in Maine, the cutoff for kindergarten is actually October 15th, which is just crazy, crazy late. I think most states it's like September 1st or September something, whatever. But I was just going to say that I think my job has a huge influence on me. I have I strongly feel that uh, I should not send Isla to kindergarten right when she turns five. So that would be her actually technically starting kindergarten as four and then turning five like the first week or two into kindergarten. Um, mostly because of my job. And I have seen so many super young kindergartners come in and struggle. I think a lot of times it's like, oh, they know their ABCs and their one, two, threes. So they're good to go. But in reality, even if they're super caught up academically and they, they can stay on par academically, then they have a really hard time with either the social piece, which is like, I mean, if think about now our children, like like we were just, me and Brooke were laughing about this. Like we know it's annoying, but like when babies are this young, you have to like say, oh, she's 17 months instead of saying she's oh, one yeah. or two, because there's a huge difference between one and two. Like once they get to be like seven or eight, obviously that's not a big difference, but between one and two, like look at Isla and look at a two-year-old. That, those are mm-hmm. very, very different right. children. So that's how you kind of like explain to somebody like where they are developmentally. So think about that when you get to five though. Like if I you have students who are coming in who are practically six and then a brand new five-year-old and they're expected to socially be on the same level or um, or like stamina, be able to like, because mm-hmm. there's no such thing as half-day kindergarten anymore, at least not around here. So then mm-hmm, you have yeah. these kids and they don't have like, they start out the first week of school, like getting like a really quick like rest break in the day, but like they weed that out real fast and they have a full day of academics. And I think everyone knows that kindergarten these days are not, it's not what it, what we knew. Mm-hmm. I went to half day kindergarten. I learned and it literally took the entire year to learn the alphabet. And then I was off to first grade yep. mm-hmm. where it's not the case. Like you have to come in knowing your alphabet or you're behind. So it's, the expectations are crazy. And I think I get, when I oh, tell people so I'm going to, yeah. When um, I tell people that I want to keep her back, I mean, some people do say, well, you know, I went or um, or me personally, my birthday's the end of August and I started right when I turned five. But again, that was half day, mm-hmm. yeah. very different kindergarten. So and I'm not judging anybody by any means, but I just think my job has really opened my eyes to how important it is for her to be a little bit more on par when she had that extra time. Yeah. yeah. So. So that's something that I'm going to do when she gets to that point. I don't even want to think about that. I've always been grateful because my mom did the same with me. So my birthday is October 14th and um, the cutoff was October 15th. I think it was so beneficial for me, especially because I didn't have like daycare or like pre-K or preschool or anything. So um, I do feel like it worked out well and it was in my benefit. So, All right. But I'm sorry. That was the last little... No, that's a really good point. Um, I get to see similar kids at home. But before I jump into anything, I'll just give a quick background about what I do because it can get really confusing. So um, in Maine, there's a service uh, provided by um, Medicaid for agencies like the one I work for to provide behavioral health professionals that go into a child's home. And um, the children have to have a diagnosis of some sort. Uh, I would say like 90% of the kids I work with have autism. Um, But like Mandy, I have uh, different kids with different diagnoses. Um, And we 
we're a skill-based type of service. So we're teaching coping skills, we're teaching life skills, social skills, safety skills. Um, and then we also work on managing behaviors. Um, so I feel like I've learned just like so, so, so much. And yeah, I've definitely learned a lot of like conflict management. Like I've learned to um, be able to provide like constructive criticism to parents or other providers or even just other people. Um, we have a joke in the office about how <laughs> our, like we take our work into our lives. Um, uh, one of my coworkers says her husband is always like, don't BHP me today because um, the people who work in home are called behavioral health professionals. So, so I do find myself like BHPing like Shane or um, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm BHPing Shay because I feel like I'm just using the tools that I've learned with her. Um, but I think like the biggest thing that I've learned is just meeting kids where they're at. It doesn't matter if they have a diagnosis of autism, if they have a diagnosis of PTSD or oppositional defiance disorder or no diagnosis at all like we just need to meet kids where they're at and find the tools that work for them to help them learn the things that they need to be successful in life like that's I feel like that's any kid yeah it is and like for me working in this field some of it comes really easy to me just because I think it makes sense but the traditional like way of parenting is my kid's not listening to me so I'm gonna punish them and I'm going to take away their TV and they're going to be grounded or whatever. But Oh, like when my parents would say they're going to take away my favorite toy and I had to choose which toy. Was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That worked out really well. That was like, I, I'm like, I hate this. I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> that might work for some kids, but uh, for a lot of kids, it doesn't. And it also teaches kids to, it's like a fear-based tactic. It's like a threatening type of thing where there are things that we can do to help encourage them to just be good people without having to be threatened <laughs> with taking away their favorite toy. Um, so I think that's like the biggest thing that I've learned. Um, I, I think I said this earlier, but also just like teaching coping skills. I think we do a huge injustice to kids because we expect young kids to know so much because we know it. But like you literally have to teach kids how to cope, how to identify emotions, like how to feel their emotions. And we I sorry, mom, but I don't feel like I was taught coping skills. Like if I was having a meltdown, I was sent to my room and you know what I would do? I would scream. And I would throw things. Yes, and me too. And guess what yep. happened as an adult? I have holes in the wall because <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes go back to that. And I have to, as an adult, now train myself, like, what's an appropriate coping skill to use right now? So I think... I think that's so important because I definitely did not have... Like, I, I would... Ha I needed someone to help me regulate my emotions and I never had that. Mm -hmm. And so just now, as an adult, I'm learning, like having to go back and do that work yeah. yeah you know like I remember one time as a I, I don't really probably shouldn't get into me as a teenager but anyway <laughs> I remember one time I was so mad at my parents they sent me to my room that I took the hamper out of my room and like destroyed it in the hallway mm -hmm. so that they could see 
slamming it on the ground but like that's funny that could have been a moment where they taught me like don't do that but instead they just (laughs) i don't i'm not trying to like critique my own parents parenting because i'm sure i'm definitely gonna have moments where i'm like you're grounded get away well and that's the thing is another thing i've learned is that every person and every family is so different and they're all just trying to do their best like with what they have and like I think again like school and home is so different because it's easy for school to be like you just need to do this this and this but then when you go into the home there's so much more than just like a behavior and like reward this behavior and ignore this behavior and do this and do that like parents sometimes are literally just trying to get by every day I feel like sometimes people get this is just my personal opinion but I just sometimes think that people sometimes forget like what the purpose of home is and what the purpose of school is True. and then those like conflict and then kids are a different person in school versus at home mm-hmm. yeah like I think mm-hmm. that's very true I wanted to jump on that um because we hear that all the time I hear that all the time parents coming in saying okay, it's great that they're doing that for you at school, but, like, once they're home, like, this kid will be, like, in our eyes, you know, super, super compliant, super well-behaved, super quiet, and then they get home, but their parents are like, no, like, so many behaviors, screaming, kicking, fighting, and I, like, I don't think they're a liar. We just have to explain, like, you're their comfort space. Like, mm-hmm, you are yeah. their safe space. Imagine us. Imagine you having a bad day and in front of your, you know, classroom of high school students and all you want to do is, like, punch a wall. Obviously, you can't do that. But when you get home, you're probably going to scream into your pillow and maybe you're going to punch a wall, which is not healthy, but you know that you can't do that at right, work. Right, you had to hold it in all day. You had to hold it in all day and let it out at home. So mm-hmm. that's what happens all the time is a lot of kids and us as adults hold everything in all together because school is their job. School is their work. Mm -hmm. And then they come home and they finally get to just like release it all. And unfortunately, like the parents get the brunt of that and they have to live with that. And they have to, in their eyes, it's probably, you know, that's the way their child is all the time. Yeah. I had to have that conversation a ton with families, like exactly what you just said, that you know, they're holding it in all day to be the good kid and then they can come home and they can be bad. They can be bad because you're still going to love them. Like, and, and like, I think bringing that into parenting, like, I know that there are going to be times when Shay is having a meltdown or kicking me or hitting me or whatever, because that's what kids do. And I think I'm able to be more patient with that because I understand that she's just frustrated and she's trying to get it out in whatever way she can so I think that I've learned a lot of patience um just doing what I do and and not only that but it helps me realize that I'm not going to be perfect and that I am going to have to ask for help sometimes because I have so many families that I talk to about like if you need a break you need to ask for a break or like parents who don't get breaks like I know how important it is to be a productive parent so Well, I think like a big takeaway of this conversation is it's kind of similar to what you were saying earlier about how kids like they they need us to be like teaching them to like cope. But also we need to remember as adults that like kids are human beings. Like, why do we Mm, always expect mm -hmm. kids to be on their best behavior and their perfect selves 24-7 when we are never 
mm-hmm. ever perfect 24-7. Like we have bad days and we say right. shitty things and we mess up and we hurt people's feelings and never maybe on purpose, maybe sometimes on purpose, but we're human <laughs> and, beings. And why do kids not get that pass? Like we get that pass. I agree. Yeah. And our brains are developed and theirs are yes, not. True. Yeah. Like I just feel like that's something important. To and I, I just find I have a lot more tolerance of that. Like I think some parents you know as soon as their child starts to have a meltdown they're kind of like they instantly get frustrated like ah why are you doing this just stop where I have the ability to be like okay you're frustrated these are your choices you know we can go read a book or we can do this so I think like just the importance of like validating and teaching and then oh and then the importance of just being consistent and following through with what you're gonna say like that is like my number one advice to parents is like Follow through with what you say. Like, you cannot sit there and say, um, you know, if you don't do this, then I'm going to take your iPad away, which typically isn't something that I would suggest doing anyway. But, um, you know, if they don't do what you're asking, then you need to to take that iPad away. Or say, you know, you say at the end of the shopping trip, you can get a candy bar if you follow the rules, keep your hands to yourself, and have listening ears or whatever and they don't meet that expectation at the end of the shopping trip they don't get the candy bar like no matter how big of a a fit that they throw don't reinforce that behavior um but it's so but at the same time I understand how hard it is to be a parent in a store having a kid with a full-on tantrum because they want a candy bar and I've even worked with families where this is what's really frustrating. A stranger will come over like some mm. old lady and will be like, Ugh. oh, they just want the candy bar. Let me give it to them and then give it to them. I had a family that the some old lady like gave them money and was like, here, buy him whatever he wants. You're like, no, I'm trying to work on <laughs> yeah. something with him. Yeah, like, <laughs> You just no. take the money and put it in your pocket. No. Like, thanks. I'll buy myself yeah. what I want. I deserve it. But yeah. I mean, it's just like – it's just opened my eyes to a whole different world of every single family and every single kid is so different. And I just think like you can't judge people by their situation from the outside because I see a lot of what's going on on the inside and it isn't always easy. So yeah, I think that's the, the biggest things I can think of. Every time we record an episode and I go back and listen, I there's like 800 more things that I want to add later. Yep. That happened so, to me last episode. Yeah, me too. I was like, ah, shit, I want to talk about this. Um, But yeah, I mean, those are like the big things that stand out to me. I feel like we should like mention too. I just, you guys like say things. I'm like, yes, and I write them down, but then I don't want to interrupt you. And then you're already off of that topic. So I need to come back to it real quick. (laughs) But I just wanted to mention when you were saying like, you just have more patience. And I feel like, I definitely feel like I do. Because like I said, I feel like my job has really opened my eyes to like really what behavior is. But that being said, I have still 110% had my days where, like, I'm just Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed at a screech. Even though, like, again, I'm really not at the point of huge, you know, temper tantrums here with Isla. But still, if I'm having a hard day, and even though I know she's tired or frustrated or obviously cannot communicate with me at this point what she wants, I need to just, like, I immediately get overwhelmed. Sometimes that shriek just hits your ears Mm -hmm. the wrong way, and you're just immediately angry or immediately overwhelmed. So I did want to throw that out there. Like even if even if you know, okay, they're frustrated. I need to validate their feelings. I need to help them work through this. Sometimes it's it's hard when you're like sensory overload with the screaming Mm -hmm. and maybe the kicking and maybe you're incredibly embarrassed when they're doing this in Target. 
So like you don't know, like all of a sudden your brain shuts off and you don't know what to do or you just throw them over your shoulder and walk out like whatever, however you handle it. You're still also a human being and it's okay if you can't take a deep breath and work through their frustration with them all the time because you are also frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like two points out of that is like I realize that I'm not going to be a perfect parent because nobody is and that it's good to role model for your kids that I don't like it when you yell like that and now I'm frustrated and now I need to go take a break. So, I mean, you might not do it in a calm way, but you can always like once you do calm down, you can always go back and just say, hey, I'm sorry, which is another teaching moment because Mm -hmm. now you're showing your kids that you do care about them and that we make mistakes and nobody's perfect because I think we, like you said earlier, Mandy, we expect kids to be perfect and do all the right things and they just, they don't know how. (laughs) I think also like to that point, like about not, you can like think, (laughs) this is also me saying this, who had my dog is my only kid but anyway (laughs) but like I think like to a point you can be like yes this is how I want to parent but there are going to be times where you don't parent like that all the time that's gonna happen and I think yeah and I think that that's fine and I also think that think back to like your own family and like you getting frustrated with them like you getting mad at your parents your parents getting mad at you your siblings fighting whatever like Families do that because those, like Andy was saying, that's your safe space, hopefully, not for everybody, but, um, you know, that that's where you can be your crappy self and everybody still loves you. And so I think that that's also like part of it, too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of my overview. Megan, let's hear from the high school teacher. Yeah, so I feel like I have a the perspective of older kids, obviously. Um, I'm certified 7 through 12, so I have worked with 7th graders, and they're really cute, but I don't work with them anymore. Are they really cute? (laughs) Yeah. I think they are, to be honest. Like, they're adorable. It's 8th grade where you're like, oh, that's where they... (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess I got pretty ugly in 8th grade. (laughs) I'm just thinking of myself in this situation. An ugly personality. Oh. But, like, 7th graders are still, like compliant I guess <laughs> like I'm like you're so cool I don't know <laughs> this is just my experience with <laughs> students but anyway uh but so now I teach high school um I have taught at two different schools at one school I taught primarily ninth grade which is don't do that to yourself <laughs> and <laughs> just kidding uh but now I teach uh primarily 11th and 12th graders so like the end of like Mandy's the beginning of the school years and I'm at the end um I feel like I also should mention that my husband's a high school teacher um so I, I feel like in that way we sort of have a similar outlook on how we're going to parent and again this is just me like theorizing about Mm -hmm. how I'm going to feel about parenting like she could get here and I could feel differently or we'll see how it goes but (laughs) uh I honestly feel like I'm going to be really good at being a parent to a baby and then like come back to me at like age <laughs> like 13 and I'll be good again <laughs> like, I feel like I'm very nervous of those in between years so 
scared. But anyway, um, I think that one thing being a public education or public educator um, is that I think I have a very specific opinion and view of schooling. Um, I really, really support public schools, like probably to a fault, um, because I really think you get what you put into them. Um, and I think that for the most part, like despite what experiences you might have had, like in high school or whatnot, I think that um, the people who are there in those schools really do care about kids and want them to succeed. Um, I will always send my kid to a public school. Um, I don't think I would ever send them to a public school or a charter school, but that's just because of my experience seeing kind of the world of both. Um, and the public schools have specific standards that they are held to. Um, and no, I'm not going to get into common core and stuff. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not what you think it is. Read a book. All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> so much passion about the common core. Well, all right. You know no, what? I Whatever. Agree. Keep this in here. So common like core it. is not new math. Whatever. <laughs> Common Core is a set of standards that in the United States, we said kids need to learn these things. Let's make it equal across America. And the people lose their shit. What the fuck else do you want? <laughs> you have this lady over here teaching my brother Sam is dead for a hundred years and the kids learn nothing. Like, what do you, and they don't even know how to write a sentence. Come on. Anyway. Uh, leave that in, please. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta take my sweatshirt off. I'm hot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's different. Like sometimes there's like curriculum that's created. That's like marketed as common core. And that I can see people having a problem with that. Right. But the actual like common core standards are really, really helpful to drive what you do in your class. Right. Mm Because it's actual teaching standards versus a teacher just being like, yeah, a teacher just being like, I like this book and yeah. making kids suffer through it for 30 years. And I think also, like, schools can also adopt, like, different standards, so it doesn't have to be, like, all of them. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the end, Common Core, whatever, get mad at me. I don't care. I like the standards <laughs> I have because it helps me teach kids. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, my point is that I... I I feel strongly about public schools, so she'll always go to a public school. Mm-hmm. I say that, and then she'll go to kindergarten, and I'll be like, she's going to go to the private Montessori school, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't know. No, I don't, I'm not saying anything against Montessori schools either, but <laughs> anyway, God. I'm Nothing against super tampons. People. Nothing against Montessori schools. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just do see education differently because – I mm-hmm. am an educator, so I respect a lot of educators. Not that people don't respect them, but mm-hmm. um, that's just something that I think is going to be important to us. Um, I think another thing about being a teacher, especially a high school teacher, because you are starting to see them, like that independence thing Mandy was talking about, like you see that independence blossom and you see them deciding, like, who they are, who mm-hmm. they want to be, what they want to be when they grow up, even though that's another thing I'm passionate about is, like, why are you making 18-year-olds make that decision? But yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so I, I just think that seeing like who they're becoming, sometimes you'll also meet their parents and really understand like, oh, this is <laughs> either like why you are the way you are, or <laughs> you can see, oh, like this is how things work in their home. So this will probably influence them in this way or that way. And I think that it's actually been kind of cool for me to sort of, and I know it's from a teenager perspective, but I feel like by that point, parents ha- are like pretty set in their style by then, obviously. Um, and so it's been cool for me to see different parenting styles and different approaches. And like the kids I work with, like when they walk into my classroom, like that's a mixed bag of kids. Like you have some kids who do have IEPs. Um, you have some kids who come from affluent families. You have some kids who don't. Um, and so you have like a wide range going on in your classroom. Um, because schools don't like track kids really like they used to. Um, like when we went to high school, it was like, you take basic college prep or honors mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's different now. Like you can still take like higher level classes if you want to challenge yourself, but those other classes are more of a broad range. But so you get to see a lot of different types of kids and like learn how they learn, but also see how their parents parent and like parenting styles. And so there are some parenting styles that I've seen that I'm like, wow, what a great family they have. Like, I like that parenting style. And then there are some that I've seen where I'm like, holy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like the time, I'm sure they don't listen. Uh, The time that I was called a fucking liberal pansy in a teacher parent-teacher conference. You don't want to adopt those parenting styles? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I was very scared. That was my first year teaching, by the way, as well. Um, And it was only because I said you can't say a very bad word in my classroom. Anyway, I'm (laughs) awful. But (laughs) um, so I think that affects me as well, seeing parenting styles. Um, I also think that something I wanted to bring up was that perspective that you need to meet kids where they're at. Like, yes, little kids, definitely. But even teenagers, like, they're still not developing at the exact same rate, the exact same time. Um, And so I think for me, it's taught me patience to meet kids where they're at. Um, When I went to school, we did talk about behaviors and classroom management and stuff like that. But you're still not, you think you're going to walk in there and be like, these are my expectations. Be respectful, be responsible, be safe. And that they're going to follow them all the time. (laughs) And you're like, just because I said them, they're going to know how to do them. But that's not true. Um, So I think that meeting them where they're at, but also having clear expectations of them too is super helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to be like a super hard ass discipliner, but I do think that consequences have their place when you've been clear or like, like Brooke said, not reinforcing behavior. Like there's a lot of different ways you can do that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that I've had to learn that the hard way in my classroom with different behaviors, but seeing that, Oh, this kid is just trying to communicate with me something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks really different with teenagers than it does, um, like, little kids. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, you know, P 
people, I always get, oh my gosh, you teach high school? Oh, how could you? And one, they're not that, like, I like to say they're just little kids in big people bodies. <laughs> like, they sometimes the way that they process their emotions or make decisions, especially make decisions. Like, I know their frontal lobes are not developed, but goddamn, yeah. sometimes it's like... <laughs> why but um it's just helped me like understand like that perspective a little bit better um and also teenagers can really also be funny and kind and smart and a lot smarter than a lot of us so that's kind of cool to see um it gives you a lot of hope for the future I guess to be with high schoolers um and kind of the last thing I want to talk about would be that I'm just sort of constantly reminded that even though you're an adult and you have a perspective that whatever a kid's going through is not a big deal like you could have a kid come into your classroom and be like sobbing because they got into a fight with their friend on Instagram or whatever but you have to realize that to them it's like the biggest deal in the world because it's never happened to them before or it's a big milestone in their life and they've only had 16 years of life to compare it to and they're dealing with a lot of like social stuff and I just think that if adults kind of took a minute to remember wait how did I feel when I got into a fight with my best friend in high school how did I feel when the boy that I like doesn't like me back like I think that we can have a maybe a better perspective. And I think you can do this like all the way through. Like when something's a big deal, it's like a six-year-old's. I feel like you can still think about it that way. Like, oh wait, she or he has never experienced this before. Maybe it's not helpful for me to say, get over it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, it's also validating their feelings. Like I talked about earlier. And sometimes like I find parents will be like, or adults in general will be like, they don't remember how they felt, but also they might have felt different about a situation. Like, right. I told that friend to have fuck been a off big deal. or whatever. But, yeah. like, can't, we should just trust kids and how they're feeling and, like, validate them and, and let them know that they're heard and known and, you Right. Know. Like, I think, especially working in high school, um, I, honestly, I – the part of teaching that I like is not really the content. I mean, I know I got really <laughs> – passionate about the comic core but <laughs> um, just the standards not the activities anyway um but I actually I could teach whatever subject if I was certified to do it and I would be just as happy because I just love the relationships but I think sometimes kids just want someone to listen to them and even if you don't have a lot of advice to give them or even if you didn't feel the same way they did like just remembering that you have someone to listen to you is important. Like I had a student um, tell me, well, I just, whenever I have to cry, I just come in here. Cause I know you're not going to like say anything, but you're also just going to let me cry and get over it and leave. And I'm like, well, yeah, because one, I feel awkward and don't know what to say to you. And two, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, neither of us want to talk about it, but you just let me do it. And so I just feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like in, like in some ways, yes, 
actions have to have consequences. But I also feel like there's going to be a little part of me as a parent who's also like, well, you got to think about how they feel and maybe they just want to be listened to. I saw this one, speaking of like kind of what we want to be as a parent, I saw this one like piece of advice that I really hope that I remember and use in the future. Um, You know, your kid comes to you with a problem and before you answer, you say, do you want me to fix your problem? Do you just want advice or do you want me to just be quiet and listen? And like 90% of the time, your kid's going to say, I just want you to listen. And if they don't, then that's when you can say, you should say this or I'll call so-and-so's parent. But the majority of the time, they just want to have someone to talk to. And so I think we immediately, we, we mentioned this in a couple episodes before, we always immediately sometimes want to just like help people and like give them some advice. But I think just being like, like, I think that just shows your kids, one, it validates their feelings like we've said many times. But like, I know, I appreciate when people just, it just makes me feel like sometimes you just need to let things out. Yeah. Right. Yep. Sometimes you need just a space to vent. And when you listen, like you learn, like when you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say next, you mm-hmm. know that that person's not really actually sitting there and listening to you and like letting you get it all out because they're too busy waiting to like tell you that you did something wrong or you should have said this instead or yada, yada, yada. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I have this hard cause obviously like I haven't been able to put any of this in practice yet, but I feel like I'm going to be so on the, like I'm going to overdo it. Like I can just picture myself being like, so what's the four one one? What's the hot gossip? Yeah, like, or like come in and be like, so how are you feeling today? You seem to be a little down at dinner. Like, yeah. <laughs> like leave me alone. I just feel like I'm gonna be like a little too much, but I feel like Ryan will balance me out a little bit in that sense. I feel like as long as as long as you can respect that they say I don't want to talk, and you say, cool, thanks, okay, bye. Yeah, but like exactly. the fact that like you're asking, I think is. I think a big thing to keep in mind, too, is, like, you can't fix all your kids' problems. And, like, a lot of parents think they can and they want to. But, like, sometimes your kid just has to, like, fall, learn the lesson. That's part of growing up. Yeah. And, like, I find a lot of parents want to just fix all the problems and it actually can sometimes hinder your kids. Like, Mm -hmm. they need to have – I can't remember what it's called – we teach it in the BHP course, but it's like, you know, kids have to make mistakes to learn. So if right. you have a teenager and they're like nervous to ask a girl out, like you have to tell them, like you need to take the risk in order to see what's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes it's going to hurt and you just have to be there to support them through it. But then you learn right. from it. So say you ask the girl out and she says no, then you learn from that situation. Maybe you... Right go about it differently or you just understand sometimes people are going to say no and that's okay and I can move on like regardless yeah. you're learning something well and you're learning how to tolerate rejection because honestly a lot of people don't know how to tolerate rejection and right that's something we all need to work on and I think like meeting challenges helps you like build that I remember my aunt um so she has one uh, child, a biological child, and then two um, adopted children. And I remember I lived with them when her adopted children were like probably kindergarten, first grade. And I remember someone in her neighborhood saying, oh, well, I don't want them to have to deal, like they had a kid the same age. And they said, oh, well, 
I don't want them to have to deal with disappointment or like failing. And my aunt's like, I absolutely want him to know what it's like to be disappointed and to fail. Because then what, what the heck, what else, how else do I teach him stuff? Like, I don't, life can't be perfect for him at all times. That's going to hurt him in the end. Right. And I just like always remember that as something that I want, I want to remember. Like yeah. when I have my own kids. Yeah. But very true. Uh, moral of the story, teenagers aren't as bad as you think they are. <laughs> I, <laughs> I prefer to work with them than adults, to be honest. But Well, that's like the whole <laughs> thing. Like, I hate when people say like, oh, it takes a special person to work with teenagers. It takes a special person to work with kids with disabilities. It takes a special right. person to uh, like, yeah, it also takes a special person to, like, sit behind a desk and type all day. Like, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> it just – it depends on, like, how you – yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I say all the stuff, and I could be the total opposite of what I think I'm going to be I just went parent, into, but... like, parenthood knowing I'm better prepared than other people and also knowing, like, I'm not going to be perfect. And like Manny said earlier, there are going right. to be times that I'm going to be frustrated. So. Yep. And sometimes you're going to put – little baby bum on so you can have a cup of fucking coffee in the morning and you're not a bad parent (laughs) i know (laughs) and hey you and you could also have totally different parenting styles than us and that doesn't mean you're a bad parent either Mm -hmm. you know we're just we're just you know talking about our jobs to give you a little perspective on them but and also how it affects us but you could have a totally different experience or a different style and that's you do you i feel like that's Always, like, the take-home. We talk about it every episode, how everyone's just so different. Right. And like Brooke said earlier, you're doing your best. Families mm-hmm. are doing, trying to do their best. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. Yes, for sure. And everyone has their own way of going about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I have to say, we have to say that every episode so we don't get attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, go ahead and attack us. I'm curious. I would, I, I love learning about other people's experiences and so how they handle and things having too like is a, helpful. a mutual discussion like um I don't remember where we were but it was like a group of us and we were talking about like politics and it was just so nice to have like a friendly discussion and learn each other's perspectives and also be able to educate people on like why I think the way I do so I want to know why you think the way you do so Please tell us what right. your, you know, your perspectives of parenting and why they might be different. Like a different role or career experience that shapes what, how you feel. And that would be cool to know too. Yeah. I can have a professional opinion on Common Core. I can't have a professional opinion yet on parenting. So. <laughs> I don't think any of us can have professional opinion on, I mean, we're just doing what we can. We don't know. Yep. We're winging it. Uh, So... This week, Mandy will be taking over the Instagram. Also, don't forget to enter our giveaway if you haven't yet. We're giving away that super cute Mental Health Matters shirt from Jackson Tour. So make sure if you haven't yet, check out our Instagram. Super easy to enter. Um, and I think I the October 4th, I think is the last day to do that. So hurry up. Cool. Uh, I want that shirt. <laughs> Kill. I know. I, know. Can I, I like, enter? I hope I win. <laughs> <laughs> Move out of my way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never win stuff like that. Anyway, 
Even if it was my own podcast, I still wouldn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, please, please, please do that. Um, and as always, uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, interact with us on our Instagram, get other people to interact with us on our Instagram. Um, and this is definitely an episode where share your experiences, share your your own career professional um, opinions with us. We would love to hear it. And with that, we say goodbye. Bye. Bye.